How many times have human beings wished that they could go back and fix the past? Well, this is a real-life opportunity. Great Scott, you are listening to Orville Land. I'm ready to begin. The best darn Orville podcast this side of the quadrant. We're ready to go down here. My name is Dan Barris. I'm joined here by some of our regular Orville villains, but one notable exception. Yeah, no Lieutenant Shelley Peacock here today. Yeah, she's in Tasmania. She's in Tasmania, which is um, sad for us. Great for her. It yeah. is. Voice you could just hear then, Lieutenant Sid Sharma. Oh, I've been promoted. You're promoted for this very special Orville land. Chuffed. Thanks. Thanks. I'm going to tell my parents. Oh, my God. Uh, and no rank this week, because we're about to drum him out of the organization. Uh, but yeah, Mr. Chris Feggins. Hello. I'm disappointed by the lack of the rank, and I'd like to <laughs> assign myself one that's quite important, if possible. Okay, what, what are you going for? Uh, Captain. 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 All right. Captain it is. Thank you. I can't wait to be you. Two captains on this year podcast. Just realise this ship's going down. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't this feel just a little messed up? Anyway, you've come across the season finale of Orville Land because we're discussing the season finale of the Orville. But wait, mixing up the format for the show here, we're discussing not one but two different episodes... We're talking about episode one and episode two of the two-part finale. Yeah. Tomorrow, tomorrow, and tomorrow. And then The Road Not Taken, episodes I, 13 and 14. Now, usually at this point, we throw to Shelley Peacock to let us know what happened in these two episodes. But this week, we're going to throw to Chris Veggins, Captain Chris Veggins. And I'm ready to do this. It's an opportunity to rekindle lost love for Ed. I really like you. As he comes face to face with the girl he fell in love with seven years ago. Oh, I really like you too. His ex-wife, Kelly Grayson, has been plucked from the time stream exactly seven years after their first date. I need a drink. Me too. You might feel like the world has collapsed around you when rejected for a second date, but for Ed, it literally happens when Kelly is returned back to her proper place in the time stream, but turns Ed down. For God's sake, I was was trying to surprise you spiraling the entire universe into an alternate 1985. Mm, Pretty dystopian. Very dystopian. Guys, first of all, maybe we discuss the first episode here. Uh, What did we think? Because this was a very unusual episode of The Orville in that there was no real... There's no villain. There was no sort of narrative structure outside of an opportunity that comes up in their life and just sort of pursuing the possibility of that. But it was really an emotional journey more than it was a strict um, A, B plot sort of a narrative. Yeah, I think the purpose of that episode was to make us feel like Bordas and Clyden have the most regular and normal relationship out of everyone on that ship, which is a real stretch. Claire's Claire's dated an android. Mm. Like, Mercer's dating his ex-wife from the past. And, uh, yeah, it's just weird. Yeah. I mean, Cassius had a fairly good relationship. Yeah, Cassius had a good relationship. Somewhat, until he crumbled under the pressure of being second to the uh, to the to to Kelly. Yeah. Mm. Well, second to the great Ed Mercer. That's very true. Mm. That's very true. Couldn't keep up with that. But you're right. That was a normal problem as opposed to dating. An android. Yeah, an android or your former partner's self. Your yeah, former best half from the past. Exactly. Yeah. That was weird. And of course, Gordon, who went and dated a not real girl mm. from his phone. So just going to throw that one in there as well. Yeah. Ed also dated Krill. Ed, yes. Ed also dated a Krill. Yes. Yeah. Like Ed got catfished. So <laughs> yeah, his, his love life is not going real well this season, is no. it? No. And, and yeah, Bordas and Clyden are the model relationship on the ship. Oh God, that's really disturbing. It's really it disturbing. There are certain things I'd really like to keep private on the ship. Here's the thing. Uh, the second episode here, obviously we deal with an alternate reality. 
And when you deal with alternate reality fiction, one of the core sort of storytelling mechanisms of that is often dealing with ideas of regret. So the idea of what could have been and what could I have done to improve my life to avoid the world that I've found myself within. So the classic example of this is, I'd say probably our favorite film, like I haven't asked, but I'm assuming, Sliding Doors with Gwyneth. Yes, I've definitely seen that film. (laughs) Mine is Happy Death Day. Okay. But, I mean, yeah, very love, similar. Love, love, lovely movie. But Sliding Doors is the very easy example of this, where you've got two split realities happening on screen at the same time. You've got one where she catches a train and then finds her boyfriend sleeping with someone else and traumatic experience, but she uses it to get a fancy new haircut and a new love in her life and her life ends up better <laughs> for it. But then you've got the other storyline in which she doesn't catch the train, doesn't catch the boyfriend cheating, keeps the same terrible haircut she had. Terrible haircut. And so she wallows in a bad relationship. So you see these two possibilities, one which leads to a much better poem in her life and the other one which doesn't. Which, but then the m- times merge together and it all comes out narratively Which fine. was the good and bad Kelly haircut that we're talking about here? <laughs> is, this a, is, this, is this how you're trying to slip this into the conversation? This is exactly where I'm heading. Yeah. Did, you didn't like the bangs or you did like the bangs? Look, I'm not a huge fan of bangs. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. Just putting it out there. You can continue with what you're going to say. Well, I was just going to say, so the idea of the split narratives and the idea of alternate timelines and an alternate reality is often explored the idea of regret. And what a greater regret is there than the idea of, you know, the marriage that hasn't really quite worked out. Mm. And I like that this episode sort of split the idea of the alternate storyline and quite literally took away the idea of regrets and made it its own thing for 40 odd minutes before we went to the alternate reality. And I kind of like just the idea of playing around with the idea of the relationship hasn't worked out. But if I had the chance to do over the relationship from the very beginning of the relationship, how could I change that? Yeah. And so the show kind of actually explored that to a degree, but also threw in the wrinkle of Ed, who's changed over those seven years. Yeah, and well, so like, it goes to the different point, things. Yeah, the regret is regret is context-specific, and the regret can only come afterwards, Ed, for Ed. Like, mm. it, Kelly went back, and if she hadn't got time travel amnesia, no, sorry, if she did have time travel amnesia, she would have just done it again. It would have played out the exact same way. So in that way, regret is false. It's something that you can't ever fix. It's not something you can ever achieve. It's a future learning. They were just doomed to fail again. Personifying that regret was an interesting step that made it much, much easier to understand what Ed was going through as well. What's your biggest regret in life, Chris? Biggest regret? <laughs> It's a really big question that we didn't talk about before we started <laughs> yeah. recording this. Um, anytime I've ever turned down a milkshake at a cafe. Look, I understand that. I really love milkshakes and anytime I do it, it it's it's it makes my day worse. Coincidentally, I would say that one of my biggest regrets is often when I do get a milkshake. That's also definitely happens, yes. The milkshake before the meal is a big call. Oh, that's a big mistake. You eat, you drink the milkshake and then you eat the meal and then you want to throw up. The milkshake should be a endeavour on its own. You should go out for a milkshake. It's true. Well, you, you can do that, guys. Yeah, but I mean, I've never done that. Yeah. Why do you just not? You've got milkshake places near you. There's plenty in the inner west. I mean, I could, but I just haven't. You're talking crazy, Sid. Oh, Shut okay. the hell up, man. I'm so man. sorry, guys. I was just—I just saw something happening here that I didn't understand. What about you, Sid? Any well, great real life regrets you'd like to admit here well, on no, a podcast? My milkshake etiquette is great, and uh, I've had no problems with milkshakes. It brings all now. the boys to the yard. All of them, but uh, I don't know. That is a hard question. I guess it's a regret I don't have yet, but I probably will. My motorcycle is currently uninsured, 
So that's a regret waiting to happen. That is a budding regret. Yeah. Considering the number of times you've come off motorcycles, I know it's, there should be regrets beyond just that. Oh, it's it's a yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and stave <laughs> off this regret. See, this is this is one of those instances where I have the time to correct it, and I have the experience to know that I have to correct it, but I haven't, which is I guess a real character thing for me. Think of your scars from previous accidents as, you know, past Kelly coming into your life. Yeah. Do you guys like the bangs? Yeah. <laughs> that is a bang. So, hang often... On. Hang on. <laughs> you don't get to ask us what our greatest yeah. regrets are and then just move on. Dan, what would you say your greatest regret is? Look, I'd say my life's just filled with regrets. But if I was to choose the one, which has probably really had the greatest ramifications on my day-to-day life, the thing which I think maybe just defines me as a man, as a professional. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say the fact that I never... Lost loves is probably a big part of like this alternate reality sort of an idea. Yeah. You know, so to have loved and lost, but also to have never pursued the love. Okay. And I did pursue, but... The Ben and Jerry's half-baked peanut butter variety, I didn't have often enough. Like, it was there. I loved it. But I could have had more of it. You didn't know what it was until it was gone? I mean, I knew what it was. This is the thing that you really You didn't appreciate it, though. I was real worried about where this was going, you being a recently married man. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was yeah. terrified. Also stared very intensely into, me, into my eyes as he was talking through this. <laughs> Sorry, I may have been looking your direction, but I was really just picturing peanut butter Ben and Jerry's. That's fine. That's mm. fine. Anyway. Oh, well, thanks for sharing, Dan. So, yeah. so the Orville. Yeah, I guess yeah. we should probably get back on some business here. The Orville, let's go through the two episodes. First of all, we're going to look at the episode with the return Kelly Grayson. You say there's no real villain in this episode. <clears throat> I disagree. What do you think? I think there was a villain that we can all relate to at different points in our life. And that's a nightclub when you don't want to be there. <laughs> oh. Which is pretty much every nightclub I've ever been to. Oh boy, I have not related to a scene like that in a, <laughs> yeah, long, in a time. long time. Yeah, I was feeling seen. Oh man, yeah, that, that nightclub was... I mean, it didn't really look fun either. It looked like a pretty two-bit nightclub. It looked like they had furniture from like the Sims 2 era. Like they just hadn't spammed the motherload cheat enough to make a nicer <laughs> nightclub. What sort of nightclubs are you are you frequenting with, with nice furniture too? Well, I mean, I'm not frequenting any. I'd go out for milkshakes, you see. Fair. But um, I just, you'd imagine it'd be a bit nicer. It's a space nightclub. Well, yeah. And they literally can create whatever they yeah. want. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, you could have, like, you could have upgraded the couches or <clears throat> the music or everything about that place. Everything about that place. I will say the one thing that really struck me with the episode is that I've watched so many TV shows throughout my life where one character meets their double. And so you usually got two of the same actor on screen who, unlike some people in the room here, aren't actually twins in real life. And therefore, you know, you're acting against a CG version of yourself. Mm. The special effects in this, remarkably good. Yeah. Yeah, it was completely seamless. The kind of directors and CGI guys did a great job. You're right. Like, there was a part of me at first that didn't even register the fact that Kelly was talking to Kelly because, A... They look quite reasonably different, like yeah. the, the haircut aside. Yeah. Haircut and makeup. And makeup. Yeah, they makeup guys did do a great job of that. So it didn't quite click, but that kind of speaks to the to the work that went into, you know, making these two different and making it seem seamless. And the thing that I... It's going to sound like a criticism, but it's actually one of the things I quite like about the Orville is that I don't think special effects need to look amazing on the show. I think mm. part of the love of this show is that it's an homage to... Star Trek and the feelings that one got from Star Trek. And it's kind of just recapturing that in a new form. 
And the special effects, like they they always look fine and perfectly good. Sometimes they look amazing. Sometimes they look just a little bit, you know, it's a TV budget. It's hard to really get what you want. doesn't matter how talented the person is. If you're restricted by time and resources, you can often only get to where you want to get. But the effects on this, like it was just above and beyond. I yeah. was very impressed by it. Well, they have been getting better at that in general. I mean, since yeah. they like bought Carrie Fisher back from the dead. And then on the Orville, no, that was a very well, special episode. That was a real yeah. special episode. But then uh, they're making a movie now where Will Smith is going to play against a younger version of himself as well. So like they're just we're getting. Re- we did an episode with deep fakes, didn't we? We spoke we did. about deep yeah. fakes. Yeah, I'm sure the the CGI crew of the Orville are like they've got a bit more technology to work with. There was a moment I really liked in the episode where you've got Gordon and Ed playing a video game together, and it's like a Mortal Kombat style game, but it's holograms in the room with that them. That was yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. Huge When's fun. that coming? Surely surely that's on a roadmap somewhere at Sony or Microsoft. Well, the PlayStation 5 is mooted for 2020, so maybe. Yeah. Like, it seems like an obvious choice at that point, right? Oh, yeah. I think so. Holographic reality as opposed to virtual reality yeah. is the next frontier. We should get on that. Yeah. Well, augmented reality is pretty much what we're looking at here. Yeah. How do we patent that? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm very bad with anything to do with legalities. Okay. Now, th- it was interesting watching, because I only watched the episodes back to back this week because I've been international with the last few weeks, so I wasn't able to watch it in real time. But it was interesting watching uh, the episodes this week when thinking about Avengers Endgame, the biggest movie in the world right now. $1.2 billion, Chris. Yeah. Opening weekend. I haven't seen it. I'm seeing it in two days' time. <laughs> Do not spoil this, Dan. Look, we're not going to spoil it, but it's minus it could spoil, have been $1.2 billion this. and $21. 22 22 well, What fancy cinema are you attending? Yeah. <laughs> I bet your like, ice cream's free. I only know this because my, my nan got me a movie voucher, like a gift voucher for a cinema for Christmas, and she put $44 on the gift card because she went in... I'm from a big family. She has many grandchildren and she asked for 16 times two movie tickets and it was four, there is $44 on that card. It's a lot of kids just got to buy for. Yeah, a huge amount. It was it's wow. a costly experience. Yeah. Wow. I mean, we can go into my family history, but... <laughs> and I'd like to. Let us put aside the Orville and just focus on this. Your nan's greatest regret. Go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the 16 of them right there, right? <laughs> you were talking about Endgame. Before yeah. we so rudely sorry, cut I was. you off. I'm so sorry. No, no, I was just thinking about the fact that, and it's a minor spoiler, but I think people know about it at this point. There's a time travel element to it. And so it was interesting seeing a discussion of time travel in the Avengers movie where they lay down the rules for time travel in a very specific way. And it was quite different to the way that I've generally accepted time travel, which is the Back to the Future style mm-hmm. alternate 1985 reality type approach to it. And so the Orville, I think, took very much that Back to the Future style of like um, honoring the timeline. Yeah. How do you feel about this? Like, I'm sure you got thoughts on what sort of what's the best way to approach time travel. I feel like there's two main ways to mess up linear timelines, and one is consistency. So you can go back, you can change something, which overwrites the rest of time to to happen. And the other one is like it's kind of like a loop. So you go back, you change time in some way that leads to the effective time that you came back from, which it's like that movie where that guy- Sliding doors with Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, no. No? No. Yeah, nah. It's it's that movie where that dude has that watch from an older lady and then he goes back in time, meets her as a younger woman and gives her the watch. Titanic? (laughs) No. No, but you know that one? The Watchman. (laughs) The Watchman. That's exactly what it is. (laughs) Thereby- it makes the watch redundant because he got it from 
the person he gave it to. So where did it actually come from? So that's the other thing. So it's not necessarily overriding a timeline. It's just making part of it redundant. So those are the two kind of things I think about the most when I think about time travel. I forgot what your question was. Just how did it hold up for you, mm. time travel-wise? I thought it was I thought it was good time travel wise because one Kelly didn't want to be there. She just kind of got thrust into this ship. I think everybody was a bit too cool in reacting to the fact that seven years past Kelly was suddenly on the ship and she was too cool about it. Like, I'd be freaking out a lot more. I feel like your head would explode. It's definitely time for a breakdown at that point. Yeah, right? yeah. I'd also think that these uh, people of whom are professionally good enough to be part of the planetary union, surely they're able to deal with time paradoxes. Well, I guess they did take a, a lecture at uni. Um, yeah. That have uh, to be. Ed, Ed mentions they did temporal law or something like that, temporal law or temporal something or other. But yeah, still. I don't know. I, I buy it. I'd be in a corner in a, in a heap. I mean, I think we can all agree that Edit took it a little too well. Is and that- a, a little too weirdly. Yes. Like as if you would ask your ex if you could date her from seven years ago while she's still around. It's very odd. It's real weird. I, f- I felt like supremely uncomfortable by that entire arc. Yeah, and I like it took them dancing in a nightclub for him to go, oh, maybe this isn't a great idea. Yeah. Like that shouldn't have been the trigger. No. Now, speaking of the nightclub, I'd like to take this as a moment to highlight my favourite moment from the episode, and it's Bordis and Clyden cutting a rug out there on the dance floor. Oh, Incredible. They were great. Yeah. They were great. Phenomenal. I imagine, I actually imagine that's what you look like on the dance floor. Uh, well, when I go to the disco this Saturday night, Chris, <laughs> come along unless you're too busy there watching the I, uh, I look Avengers. forward to it. I look forward to it. This is glorious. The music is very similar to a popular mating song on Mockless. You must come dance with us. Guys, how about we move on to the other episode because there's probably a lot more meat to really get through on this one. Mm. So the episode takes off directly after last week's episode, the most recent. Last week's episode, I'm caught in tomorrow, my own time tomorrow, loop. Tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, we're looking at the road not taken. So, Sid, at the beginning, we've got a reveal that there's a rescue mission taking place. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you realise that we were dealing with some of our beloved Orville crew members? Well, I felt like, because I've been watching the show for, for a while, I kind of know the feel, the vibe, the direction the show takes. I was like, yeah, these, these two definitely have to be from the Orville. But mm. I was initially perturbed because they weren't wearing Union uniforms. And I kind of, it kind of like sent off that little bell in my head saying something's gone terribly wrong. Which was interesting because at the end of um, episode 13, at the end of Tomorrow, 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 it just felt like there was a reset switch. Like I know that Kelly decided not to call Ed for the second date, but it still felt like everything had gone back to normal. So I definitely wasn't expecting the last episode to start in the alternate universe. It kind of threw me for a loop. Yeah, I thought there might be some minor changes to her making that decision, but the idea that you know the whole world would effectively be shaped by that decision was not something I I was expecting. I liked the beginning though. I feel like the kind of first three or four minutes, essentially, where mm. the identity of those two were kind of hidden and you weren't really sure what was going on was kind of a welcome change like yeah. as a finale, too. It set it off in a nice tone. And I thought it was interesting, actually, talking about the improving CGI within the show. I really quite liked the chase through the, the ice space planet. battle sequence. Yeah. 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 I that thought was that cool. was excellent and kind of, you know, felt like a callback to some classic sci-fi moments too, right? Mm. Oh, absolutely. It felt very sort of Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. Totally, totally. Yeah. Like, yeah, the some of the turns going through the Death Star thing, lasers, like, it could have been that. Yeah. Well, there were, like, other little bit Star Wars moments, like when um, Yafit's face comes out of the secret base. <laughs> yeah. And that really reminded me of um, Jabba's Gate in uh, Return of the Jedi. 
where you know C-3PO knocks on the door and that weird robot thing comes out. Like, yeah. It's weird. Like the music that's playing in that sequence where you encounter Yaffa, it actually sounded, well, it sounded to me, I haven't gone back and listened to the music to know if I'm maybe just off base. Yeah. But it sounded like the music from when they're on Endor in Percent of the Jedi. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was that song? Oh, sorry. Sorry. I'd just like to say they weren't on Endor. They were on a moon of Endor. A forest moon of Endor. Yeah. Yeah. What was the song? Jip Jip or Yip Yip? Or... Oh, no, no. I'm not talking Jub-jub. about- <laughs> It's called Yub Nub, Sid. Okay. Show yeah. some respect. Sorry. You're right, mate. I'm not as musical. There's a number one on yeah. Endor. <laughs> on the forest mood of Endor, Sorry. my friend. Of course. But no, that's the Yub Nub Star Wars Celebration song. I'm talking about just like the music in the background, the score. Right, okay. All yeah. Right. The classical music. But if this show wanted us to embrace Yub Nub, <laughs> I'd be there for it. Yeah, it was, it was, that was um, pretty spectacular, that whole flight through this, the um, ice planet. But in a terribly dystopian situation, I also think it's quite authentic that you'd go and you'd steal a replicator. That'd be what you'd do. Yeah, and I actually really like that as a reveal because I kind of just worked out, because I'd watched both episodes back mm. to back, I kind of just assumed that it was Adam Malloy when yeah, yeah, you know yeah. they were out there. I just kind of thought, oh, this is obviously what's going on. We'll see the reveal in a moment. Because I've seen movies and TV shows before. Yeah. And it just made sense. But the actual reveal that they were there for a replicator, I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. To make a Twinkie. Yeah. And fair enough. I mean, I'd be making specific brands of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. What would you, would you be making the peanut butter? It was the peanut butter half baked. Okay. Would you be, is that what you'd be, if like you hadn't had a meal in a very long time, you've gone and you've risked your life to steal a replicator. Are you, are you making a tub of Ben and Jerry's peanut butter half baked? I can't even believe this is a question. <laughs> you wouldn't save it for maybe a little bit later? You'd, that's the first thing you'd do? Wouldn't you have wouldn't, a hot meal either? I've You're on an a- icy planet. Yeah. Have you ever had ice cream in winter? It's yeah. the best, Chris. It's the best. <laughs> well, you wouldn't be making a milkshake. Absolutely not. No. I'd be having a, a nice soup. <laughs> a cold weather. A cold weather delicacy. A nice... Meat pie. So you haven't eaten, you're living in a dystopian, terrible alternate timeline. The first thing you do, the first meal you make is not a meal. It's definitely true. I hate soup. It was, yeah. like, that was, that was, a, that was done purely as a joke. I, I, soup is not a meal. Soup is a meal. It's barely guess. an entree. Yeah. Yeah. If you've got any qualms with those, hit up at the damn Barrett on Twitter. <laughs> or uh, Hell's Bells oh, on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> She's not even here, but you can, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of the special effects, I thought it was very cool seeing the Earth badly damaged after the mm. Kalon had hacked it. And also we saw the remnants of the moon as well. And I thought yeah. those were just really cool effect shots. Yeah, it was it was cool. It was like they'd obviously blown up the moon, but like kind of left it there. Like it was it was kind of cool. It would affect the tides on Earth. Yeah, but it doesn't matter because there's no one living on Earth anymore. Yeah, true. Not but, even not fishes. fish. You go deep cut to previous episodes. Yeah, exactly. yeah. There is, of course, one creature living on Earth. And he's deep, deep in the ocean. Mm. Bortus. Bortus. He's also deep, deep in my heart, <laughs> I'd argue. I would argue that for the past six months, he's been deep, deep in the simulator because there's nothing else to do on that ship. And we already know he's he's had some experience. Well, there. no, it's on. The, the yeah, he is on, deep in that simulator. Yeah, he's in the Bortus sex lagoon, for sure. The, the, the sex lagoon? Was it not a dungeon? <laughs> well, there was a dungeon. Oh, there, there was, was a lagoon. A lagoon. Yeah. yeah. Um, the ship's on life support, though. I dare say the simulator would, like would not be able to be run. Well, I, I feel like you'd have to ration it out. So, you know, on and weekends also, maybe. Those, surely those simulations were, were dead, weren't they? Because they brought a virus onto the ship. So they would have been deleted. 
Yeah, look, you're being too rational about this. I, f- I feel he's got you're six right. months on his own. He's going to find a way. I've taken your joke very seriously. <laughs> a man can't live on replications alone. It's very, a man's not an island. That's very true. <laughs> but yeah, Bordis, it was nice seeing him again. It be, was. Even if it was Sans mustache. But Well, that's the thing that got me because I would have thought that there's no one down there to impress. Why hasn't he grown a bit of facial scroff? Mm. We can talk about um, Ed's three-day grow, perfect three-day growth the entire time. Did you notice that both him and Gordon had perfectly manicured facial hair? So I was like, priorities, guys. Come yeah, on. well, now self care is important, Chris. Chris and I have discussed this already <clears> leading into <throat> this because this is the most important thing that either of us really wanted to focus on yes. for this episode. I started thinking about it. Do we know what the timeline is for this episode? Like, how many days does this episode take over? Because if it's only like in a period of say twenty four hours, then I think that facial hair is probably bang on. It probably. Uh, I yeah. reckon it's more than that. You reckon it's more Yeah, because they had to fly to uh, the planet where we got another guest cameo, Alara. Yeah, she was back. And then they had to fly to under the water and then they had to, you know, zoom out of there. I feel like you can't do that in 24 hours. That's a packed day. No one's that organized. Yeah, that's too much. Dan. Yeah. Space I- it out. I reckon it's. I reckon you're right, though. It probably did only take two or three days. Mm. Maybe they shaved in the middle and then we only saw them on day three. That's very, very possible. <laughs> yeah. I just think at that point, there are other priorities that should take over. Much like Kelly having perfect hair the whole time, I was like, no, guys, come on, let's focus. Why would she have perfect hair? Explain this. Because she's trying to stay alive. The Kalon are after her. So you're saying seven years out in the wilderness. Tell you what, when dystopia hits Earth, Hmm. my personal grooming is the first thing that's out the window. (laughs) I'm not showering. I'm not shaving. I'm just going to be a complete slob. Hey, Sid. Yeah? Do you want to break it to Chris or should I that the dystopia did not start three years ago? <laughs> Look, I think we should leave this for later. Um, we need Chris to be, you know, talkative throughout this podcast. We don't want him catatonic. So It's very true. Yeah. Your, your, your constructive criticism has been truly <laughs> noted though, Dan. Thank you. <laughs> did anyone else notice that in Kelly's bed, it was shaped a lot like one of the beds from Darucci? No, I did not notice this. I did not see Kelly's bed in some flyaway shot. What? I spent a lot of time in Darucci, I think might be the problem. <laughs> is this a paid product placement? <laughs> you know what I love? Ben and Jerry's half-baked peanut butter. <laughs> well, I guess you got to have some kind of comforts. Like, we know who I'm talking about with Darucci, right? Yeah. Like the guy. The evil the... Steve Jobs. Yeah. Yeah. That gentleman. Yeah. 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 I know like, exactly what you mean. The beds have a very specific look to them, and Kelly's bed looked like one of those. So if you want space beds, yeah. Darucci. And if you just want a great night's sleep. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, let, let's take to the final moment in the episode where we've got the mind wipe happening. Claire just disappears. Yeah. Do we think this holds time travel wise? Because I will say the one thing I thought think is very important with any time travel or alternate history sort of a thing like this is that the internal logic needs to make complete sense. And I would suggest that it totally does in these episodes. The internal logic yeah, does. Yeah, I think it holds very well. Well, I see what I would find interesting is because they lingered on that shot of the Orville being blown up by the Kalon mm. at the end of that episode, and it's just Claire who'd come back. I reckon it'd be interesting if that timeline is now done and next season, fingers crossed, we see the next seven years play out as a prequel to the Orville. I think that could be interesting. Wow. Because, you know, you can't just mess with time all the time. We've had two different timelines. And I, I would actually argue that this episode wasn't an alternate timeline. It was just the timeline as we now know it because they didn't go into it being like an alternate timeline. You know, what if it's just the way things are now and now that's done? 
I personally had some issues with the way Claire just disappeared. Look, I thought that held reasonably well because you've got Claire of whom had been sent back in time to do it as soon as the timeline had corrected itself, then she ceases to exist because the timeline has been rectified or at least that timeline has been eliminated. We're on an entirely different timeline point. Which mm. I understand, but I think I think she then exists outside of that timeline. I think she has gone into a completely separate timeline at that point. No, I agree entirely. And when I was talking about Avengers earlier, the way that you're approaching time travel is very much the way that they're approaching it. And it makes perfect sense when they do it in their world. But I think the internal logic for the way they're approaching time travel in this is for her to just disappear because the timeline has been corrected or altered. Sure. I, I think it... Well, she doesn't have a ship to go back to. The orbit got blown up. They couldn't zap her back. So I think she just... That timeline's done. We're now on a different one. I reckon it's going to be the next seven years. Because where's she going to go? Where's she, she, she like, where's she going to go? The Orville got blown up. They can't use the reactor to, to meld time again. Well, I think the idea is that she goes back to a regular timeline where Kelly and Ed do get married and we, we pick up at the end of episode 12, essentially. Hmm. Look, there's a whole bunch of things in this podcast where if I could time travel, I would go back and change things. <laughs> But maybe the biggest thing I would change is to travel back maybe about 30 seconds and ask Sid, Sid, usually on this show we do go a little bit deeper into a subject of some discussion. Time travel, I think, is what we're going to discuss this week. Uh, didn't see that coming. What do you bring us to the table? Well, look, I mean, it's a, it's a vast, vast topic. I thought I'd just explain, which I've kind of touched on already, but I'd explain uh, casual loops and I'd explain the the big one, the big time travel paradox, which is the grandfather paradox or consistency paradox. Okay. What's that? So the grandfather paradox is the basic idea and it's a self-correcting one. So it can't happen philosophically if you think about it, but it's basically you go back in time. If so, you- so if Fry travels back in time and has sex with his grandma, he can't give birth to, well, I can't, you know, procreate well, well, that's, his existence. That's definitely almost certainly true, but not necessarily. If Fry, however, goes back and kills his granddad, then Fry can't be born. Therefore, he can't go back and kill his granddad, right? So that's the grandfather paradox. You can't go back and alter history in that way because it would get rid of you. The other one that people talk about is- Sorry, Fry obviously being a Futurama character yeah, and it's a yeah. very specific reference we're making. Very specific. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you could go back and say, assassinate Hitler. That's that's what you would go back in time for, or space, oh, sorry, or time tourism, like to go see dinosaurs, that kind of thing. But anyway, that that kind of consistency paradox is what these episodes play with. They play with the idea that once you go back, any change you make makes the future impossible because something has been altered. So it kind of makes time travel redundant unless you want to go back to change the future, which is definitely not what happened in this episode. So what other theories are there? So grandfather... Paradox. Grandfather no paradox is the is is the sort of the big one that people always talk about. There's the casual loop. So the casual loop, which I kind of explained a little bit earlier, um, but not that well, is when something becomes its own genesis. So a good example is the Terminator movies, where Skynet sends T800 back in time to kill Sarah Connor so that John Connor won't be born, but. T-800 is destroyed and then a bunch of eggheads find the parts and then create Skynet from them. So Skynet would not have existed if Skynet hadn't sent Skynet back into the past to murder Sarah Connor. So that's a casual loop. It's basically 
when you can't find the origin of something because it becomes a loop. So that's a really interesting one as well. And those are the two that kind of get played around the most in pop culture. So I'm just going to throw it to you. Uh, I know that you're a you're a kind of like a Back to the Future 1985 kind of guy, but favorite time travel stories? Uh, look, my favorite time travel story is probably the film Time After Time, which has H.G. Wells' time machine being stolen by Jack the Ripper. And they travel to what was then modern day America, which is like maybe in like 1976, 78. Wow. And they're running through San Francisco. That is that is a thematically. I'm taking notes. I'm just going to write this down time after time. Why is this it's pretty good? Why is what? When is this film? What era was this film made? I was like in late seventies. Why there is, was a TV show made of it about two years ago that wasn't great, but was, what was it called? It's called Time After Time. Oh, yeah, like the film of the same name. I was about to say, why is this not for a remake? But it has been remade. Yeah. Um. Great. I'll be checking that one out for sure. Uh, Malcolm McDowell's in it, as I recall. Is he? Yeah. There you go. It's so, a good one. So, so what does Mary Steenburgen, I believe, is the like love interest. Excellent. What does Jack the Ripper do in '60s San Fran? Uh, it starts murdering a whole bunch of people. Oh, it's terrifying. Yeah, you know. I mean, what did you expect him to do? The Ripper's gonna rip. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> well, he's, he's reformed. I don't know. Maybe fall into the like peacenik movement and decide that his his he starts his the tech boom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, Moved to Silicon Valley and he made an app. He, he got to the 60s and became Jack the Tripper. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry, guys. I'm so sorry. Never apologize. <laughs> um, can I throw out an, it's maybe an unexpected option as mm-hmm. to my favorite. Um, maybe not my favorite, but something that I thought it added a lot to the show and took it in a very strange and odd direction was the way they use time travel or... Maybe parallel universes more than time travel, but I guess those two um, are kind of intrinsically linked, right? Is on community. Oh, yeah. The idea of the darkest the timeline. The darkest timeline. On community, I thought, took that show in a very strange place. Because uh, what time, what what season do you think the darkest timeline kind of kicked in? I think that was pretty deep in. Like, that was... I'm going to say season four. Yeah. Oh, categorically Three? the worst season of community. <laughs> um but either way, I thought that was a, well, that would maybe was a saving grace of that season that it just allowed the kind of showrunners at that point, because I think Dan Harmon had left in season four, it allowed them to get a little weird. Yeah, it was a great episode. It spurred some great gifts, yes. some great memes. Yes. Um, Arbid with a beard, fantastic. Yeah, looked good. It inspired me to grow one. What did it? Is that, was that the actual inspiration? This is me in my darkest timeline, Chris, <laughs> is all I'm going to say. I'm going to figure that. Yeah, no one's surprised. Yeah, yeah, but no, that's a that's a great one because it's like, you know, it's 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 about time not necessarily being linear, just being all across the board. Yes. What about you, Sid? Mine. Well, you know me, I love all things nautical and also historical, so I'm going to throw out with a a deep cut, I guess, a film from 1980 or 81. The I think. final countdown. That's the one. Yeah. I gave you enough clues there, didn't I? <laughs> Chris is just looking at me stunned. I am looking a bit stunned because the final countdown was currently streaming on SBS On Demand. And it's fantastic. I reckon everyone should go watch it. It's basically the USS Nimitz leaves Pearl Harbor in 1980. Would you like the official synopsis? Actually, no. Yes, Chris. Give us the official one. (laughs) A Pacific aircraft carrier enters a time warp and finds itself transported from 1980 to 1941, just before the attack on Pearl Harbor. The captain is forced to decide whether to strike the approaching Japanese fleet and change the entire course of World War II. 
Is that an accurate reflection of what's going on? I think it is. And uh, if you're into, you know, F-14 Tomcats and Zeros, it's, it's great to watch both planes go up against each Even other. Even better news, you've got, as of right now when we're recording this, 216 days left to view the final countdown on SBS On Demand. Or so, you can which- just watch it every day 216 times. Uh, you could do that, absolutely. <laughs> Inevitably, in 218 days, I'm going to go, you know what? I'm going to watch the final countdown. <laughs> yeah, and then complain to me about it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's a, it's a great one. It's it's very good. I actually kind of like this. This might be a controversial opinion amongst many, particularly the two of you. Okay. I quite like it when the mechanics of time travel are a bit ignored and you just get asked to go with... What has happened? Have you got an example here? Uh, the rom-com about time. <laughs> okay. With, Which is very charming. Yeah. You, every with, time you're on this, you talk rom-coms with Dan Barrett. I feel like you're just not inviting me to these did, hangouts. Did you like that movie, Dan? <laughs> I, I love the movie. It was a great movie, right? Yeah. With Rachel McAdams and Domnall. Is yeah, that how Domnall. you pronounce that? Gleason, Son of Brendan Gleeson. Is he? Really? I didn't actually know that. There you go. Yeah. What a what a talented family. <laughs> um, were they both in Harry Potter? I'm not sure about that. They may have been. I just don't know the Harry Potter films. Anyway, <laughs> that film I quite like. Fans of the pod might know that I am quite into rom-coms, apparently, because I talk <laughs> about them a lot. I enjoyed that film because, like, there was a time tra- travel element to it, but it wasn't explained. It just kind of, you landed in this situation and you had to deal with the consequences of it. So I agree that when it is explained, the logic needs to be sound, but I also appreciate just being willing to go with the narrative yeah. and, and kind of see it through the creative's eyes, whoever was making that. But generally with that sort of thing, like as long as you can watch it and say, you know what, that's fine, it didn't contradict that thing that happened earlier in the film, that's fine because there's probably a sense of internal logic that's been created for the movie and the writers have stuck with that even if they're not slavishly just trying to explain that to the audience. Yeah. That's true, yeah, that's true, that continuity is important within that moment without having to explain the mechanics of how they got to this place. Which is one interesting thing about that last Orville episode is um, Kelly had seven years. Why didn't she tell the Admiralty that the that the Kalon were going to turn on them or that Isaac was a double agent? Maybe they didn't get into it. You reckon, you reckon she said, hey, guys, I just came back from the future and this is going to happen and they just dismissed her? But is it that she returned back to the seven years prior with all of the knowledge that she may have mm. picked up? Because the thing didn't work. The mind wipe didn't work. Yeah, it didn't but work. But maybe it wiped out certain aspects of what you'd learned, just not everything. No, I don't. I, I feel like it either works or it doesn't. Yeah. Well, maybe not. I mean, maybe it just sort of takes away all the things that aren't actually important to you, but the thing that was important to her was the thing that was directly affecting her as a person. Maybe. But also, like, are we sure that they talked about the Kalon kind I mean, of- that may not have come up. Yeah. I, in hindsight, probably a good thing to talk about. I feel. I but- feel like- I feel like you would have, though. Like, if you come back and you see yourself in seven years, you're going to be like, so what's happened since then? And and if, and like, near cataclysmic wait, event wait, 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 occurs. Sid, Sid, Sid. Yeah. Have you been to some sort of uh, planetary union academy where you've gone through various courses teaching you that you shouldn't tell people about the future? No, I've never done temporal law. Well, well but, uh, in that, it seems like the marriage side of it that's not important. Turns out it's very important. So important. Um, you can end the, the world. <laughs> literally the most important yeah. thing uh, that could have happened. Guys, if you ever have a chance to go on a date with Seth MacFarlane, don't stand him up second time. You could end the world. That's good advice to leave on, Sid. Hmm.
let's wind down this Orville land for another week, another season. The first season? Well, it's the first one we've done. <laughs> but it's season two, which is another season that wasn't the first one, which we in no way podcasted about. Yes. Yeah. How's that for a paradox in itself? Uh, that's a, there's a time loop going on there. Yeah. Yeah, there's a loop happening somewhere in my brain. Guys, this is the end of Orville land is what I'm trying to say. Sid Sharma, it's been a pleasure. It's been great. I traded this for the world. Shelly, who I think all of us would agree is just the best. She's the uh, best. It is a shame that she's not here with us. She is better than all of us. It's true. Yeah. She's Collectively. Collectively. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. And Chris Faggins, uh, you've been with us for maybe a third of the episodes, I think, yeah, this season. Yeah, I think it's, it's been three or yeah. four now. And the best darn episodes we've done. I agree. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. And me, I'd like to thank myself for my involvement in... <sighs> Okay, guys, we're going to wind this thing out. Uh, it has been a pleasure. If people are interested in watching Orville, don't forget, you can watch like episodes that have already gone to air. Like Just re-watch them time re-watch and time it. again. Just watch them again and again. Season 1, Season 2, all streaming at SPS On just Demand. Just bookend your viewing of the final countdown with an episode of Orville each side. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, maybe alternate. Go a final countdown, episode of Orville, final countdown. Just keep on going through that way. I feel like the final countdown, you know, we can't go into the final countdown. Anymore. We've talked about it too much. It's pretty good, Chris. <laughs> can, you, can you re-watch the final countdown? I know I have. It, it, the final countdown like becomes... like a normal person. It, it becomes less final and less of a countdown <laughs> once you've re-watched it, I feel like. Yeah, 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 true. The penultimate countdown. Yeah, yeah. Sure. But maybe breaking it up with an awful episode allows you to spend 46 minutes of counting down to your next screening of the final countdown. That sounds like a great idea and would potentially keep me in a job, so go watch it. (laughs) That's right. So SBS On Demand, that's your home for the Orville here in Australia. Be sure to check that out. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave reviews on your various podcast platforms. Uh, Send an email to SBS Management and let them know you want more of this. Yeah, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Yeah, no, it really has been great. And I've really enjoyed the opportunity to talk about the show with a bunch of rad dudes. And Shelly. And Shelly. (laughs) She's a rad dude, too. She is a rad dude. The raddest dude. And as always, audio and mixing by Jeremy Wilmot. Anyway, this has been Orville Land. Thank you very much for listening. We'll maybe be back next season. Here's hoping. You never know. All right.